You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, me and this is your boy Omega. Welcome to a brand new comic, Crusaders Podcast. That's right, folks. We've had musicians, we've had actors. Now we got someone that has so many hats I can't even sell them all. But I'm gonna keep it a little short. Let me say that he is a filmmaker, he is a visual storyteller, he is an author, he is a comic book creator with a dope new book coming out from Source Point Press. Let me introduce your next favorite writer. The one, the only, Mr. Arnon Z. Sure. Wepa, homie, how you doing? I'm doing very well. I don't think I've ever been introduced quite so effectively. That was really fun. <laughs> oh, man, look, and he, he's all calm. Yes, thank you, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. So what's up, big homie? Um, let me tell you, I read the first issue of this dope new book that you have out that's coming. Uh, ben Mortara and the Thieves of the Golden Table. Let me tell you, I'm so angry because you left me at such a cliffhanger. I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? Now I got to wait like everybody else. <laughs> First off, good job. Happy to have you on. Uh, excited to talk about this uh, amazing project and your journey. So Arnon, give us a little bit uh, about yourself, where you're from originally, and what was your first love in family? Sure. Uh, well, I am originally from Israel. I was born in Israel and came to the U.S. when I was a year and a half old. Where in Israel? Um, what what uh, town, if you will? Born in Haifa. Haifa. And actually at, in Carmel Hospital, which is right at the top of the mountain. And if you look at it from the side, it kind of looks like an alien spaceship, which probably explains a lot about me. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Earth. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've been here. I've been here a few years. I'm getting used to it. Um but yeah, I grew up in Massachusetts, which is where I am now. Although I, I hey, I'm in really... Webster. Where you at? <laughs> Wait, really? Oh, I'm in in Sharon. Yes. I grew up in Waltham. No, check that out. Yeah, I lived here a couple of years ago in, in Blackstone. So it's awesome. A, a, a fellow. Uh, I'm not going to say that the, what they normally call us, but no. uh, yeah, a fellow Massachusetts <laughs> residents. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm familiar with the term. We lived in Los Angeles for about a decade until not too long ago. Um, which was lovely. LA. I mean, I Everybody it. goes to LA. Uh, now I, I, we're going to find out why you did all that. Nah. So give us your first love of fandom. How did sure. you fall in love with any fandom or, or pop culture? So I was, I was bitten by the film bug when I was 10 film. years old. Yeah. Movies. Um, and really what did it, the movie that did it was uh, Jurassic Park. This was 1993. And I actually was not, very exposed to pop culture. My parents didn't take me to the movies very often. I wasn't, you know, given opportunities to buy comic books or, you know, do any of those sorts of things. Uh, but um, I happened to be at a friend's house and they lived near a movie theater and we thought, hey, let's go to the movies. Um, and I saw Jurassic Park without knowing what it was I was going into. And um, I became a big Spielberg fan after that, really kind of drawn into the kind of work that he was doing. And um, I was just fascinated by how he could, with a camera and some actors and, you know, a few people helping behind the scenes, he could make me f just take me on these incredible journeys. Um, and so from there, my interest expanded into Star Wars and Star Trek and, um, and then to just all sorts of other movie stuff. Uh, and I became uh, a bit of a movie buff for a long time. So, but yeah, it really started with Spielberg and I continue to be a, a big Spielberg fan. So luckily he's still around, oh. still making movies. Yes, he is. And, and, and good stuff still too, man. Man still got, you know, a few magic tricks up his sleeve. So I definitely oh, sure. appreciate that. Did you have a tribe that, that you shared your love uh, uh, in, in the fandom with or, or were you a lone wolf other than the person that was your neighbor, the neighbor? <laughs> so growing up in Massachusetts, it was um, not, it was not a place where being interested in movies and, and being interested in filmmaking was really all that common. 
Um, so I had some friends who were willing to help out with some of those film shoots in the early years, but it wasn't really a, a tribe um, in that sense. Not until I moved to LA and, you know, that's where I felt like I had found my place and my people. Um, when you found home, your, 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 your alien planet. <laughs> that's, yeah. It, it was the way I described it as it felt like I'd always been an Angelino at heart. I just didn't know it cause I hadn't lived there. Um, hey, so, you lived your past yeah. life. <laughs> it must have been. It must have been. Awesome. So, all right. So, you know, as we go, going through the journey, okay. So, you know, not much of a tribe. When did you get that creative spark that prompted you to move, or was that a family move? So, the creative spark, the creative spark happened really early. I was making movies in high school, in college, after college. Um, the plan was always to move out to Hollywood and give it a try. Um, but so the joke I tell people, which is half true, is that I, I met my wife in college and she took a look at my career prospects and decided to become a doctor. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so we spent a few years while she did med school and then we were able to move out West for her residency. She got, she matched with a residency program in, in California awesome. And that that gave me a chance to really kind of get involved in the film industry out there. And um, yeah, it was all just kind of part of this big, rough uh, plan to to see if I could find my way in entertainment. So, I gotta ask this: so you went out there blindly without knowing anyone, or, or was this a semi plan, if you will, once you got there? Mm, I didn't know too many people. Um, I, I went to college at Brandeis university and Brandeis has a little bit of an entertainment industry network, but not very much of one. That was about all I had to go on to start with. Um, we went actually completely without a plan. We drove across the country. We started out in Baltimore and, uh, drove drove. and we, we didn't have an apartment or anything. We just figured we'd get to California and drive around and look for four rent signs and <laughs> see what wow well, back when we were and when was this this was this was let's see like what era I think at this point is 11 and a half years ago just about wow that's crazy so, I mean I've been young. nuts moving around too but I never go like that <laughs> <laughs> the I trip back plans. after after the decade in California basically we have three kids and we wanted them to grow up near their grandparents so at a certain point we decided to move back east because we failed to convince any of the grandparents to move out west with us uh, so the trip back <laughs> we rented an RV and we took three weeks and we took our time and it was much more you know, much more carefully planned. And, you know, with three kids and a cat, you know, we had to be a little bit more uh, meticulous about it. Oh my gosh, three kids, salute, kiddo! I have the one. I don't know, and look at me. <laughs> it it so, certainly helps right. to grow the gray hair. You know. So talk about then you getting into now the creative space. What was those opportunities like? Was it a struggle for you to get in? Was you know, or, or was it easy? Did you have quick luck like some some, or, or were you waiting a bit? Oh man, it was it was tough. It was really really tough. Um, and partly because I didn't really know people, I didn't, I hadn't found mentors who could tell me what I should be doing. So I was really stumbling around uh, in the indie film trenches for a very long time. Um, I was doing work. I was producing things. I was directing things, mostly web series. Um, but it felt like I was on a, a bit of a hamster wheel. Because, you know, when I was a kid, you'd see people who'd make these little independent films. And then off the independent films made bigger independent films. And then they made even bigger films and bigger films. And there was a ladder to climb. But by the time I was doing that stuff, if you made an independent film, it qualified you to make another independent film kind of at the same <laughs> level. And so staying on the same hamster wheel. Um, so I started looking for ways to change what I was doing. Um, and this was around when my son was born. Um, I just uh, the production life, as much as I love it, uh, it was a little complicated. It was hard to figure out childcare last minute every time I had to go on set. 
Um, so I started to slowly, gradually shift my attention to screenwriting. And I started writing screenplays. And uh, bit by bit, over time, the screenplays got better. They started placing in screenwriting competitions. They started getting more Were you familiar? Were you familiar with screenwriting process prior, or was that a whole brand new learning curve for you? I never called myself a screenwriter. Um, but, okay. you know, growing up in Massachusetts, making movies in Massachusetts, if I wanted to make a movie, especially in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, I had to write my own stuff. Um, I had to wear most of the hats on those early projects. There was one short <laughs> film I made. I remember I was on Moody Street in Waltham, and it was a walk and talk scene, two characters. And there I am with these two actors, and I've got the camera in one hand, I've got the microphone in the other hand, headphones on my head, script tucked under my arm, walking <laughs> oh my backwards God. down the sidewalk. I was the entire crew. Jesus, um, it directs the audio guy, producer. <laughs> Gee, uh, my gosh, bro. You must have so, been like that, that one-man band. So how big was that book bag and, and pole sticking out? I mean, that oh, must have man. been that was, It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was, one of the things that I really enjoyed – um, when I was in production in LA is that you really can just have different people do different things. And yeah. when you're directing, it just, you can clear your head of all that other stuff. The sound guys or gal is figuring out what the micro, where the microphone needs to be. Director of photography is figuring out the focus, uh, you know, or the lighting or whatever. Um, it's, it's very, it's, it felt like an, a luxury <laughs> after the kind of stuff I was doing. In Massachusetts. <laughs> um, so by the time I got to screenwriting, I had written stuff. I just never really thought of it as screenwriting. I didn't really realize that I was developing those skills. Um, but focusing on it much more, I, of course, you know, there's a lot to learn. And um, so it still took a while. But eventually I had screenplays that placed well in contests and got some attention, got some buzz. Um, but really I didn't, I didn't leave the production side of things completely. Back in 2016, I crowdfunded a short film and directed and produced a short film about Jewish pirates. Um, Jewish pirates? Yes. 16th century, uh, Jewish pirates in the Caribbean, refugees from the Spanish Inquisition who took to piracy as a means of survival and as a way to strike back against Spain. Uh, so this film, it's called The Pirate Captain Toledano. It's on Amazon now, 10 minutes short. And it did really well. I uh, went to 50 film festivals all over the world. Uh, oh, and I wrote this short also, just you know, to connect okay. us back to the writing. Um, and the cool thing about this project was that it was getting buzz, it was getting attention, and a lot of people who saw it wanted more of the story. Um, but at the time, I felt that trying to get a feature-length pirate movie off the ground would be just too difficult you know it would just be too expensive and i didn't have the clout to raise that kind of money so i started looking for other ways to tell that story uh which is how i found my way to comics i had some friends who were writing comic books and i uh so i reached out to them i said hey i've got a story to tell i think maybe like a graphic novel could be a cool way to tell it what do i do how does this all work I connected with um, a friend of mine named Josh Edelglass. I knew him because he was, he runs a summer camp and he had hired me a decade earlier to teach some film classes at this summer camp, but he, he goes a decade earlier. I know no, the conne- <laughs> wow. you never nice. know when connections are going to come back oh, up. You know, and that the truth, my last guest said the same thing. Be nice, kind, talk to everyone, tell them your story. Cause you never know. You never know. So he posted a, a image that he had illustrated for a Jewish comics anthology. And that was the first time I saw that he illustrated stuff. I just knew him as the camp guy. So I reached out to him and I said, (laughs) tell me about comics. Um, Long story short, we ended up collaborating, getting a book agent, getting a book deal, writing. I wrote, he illustrated a graphic novel called Jose and the Pirate Captain Toledano. It's a middle grade graphic novel uh, that came out last May. And that was really my first time falling into this comics universe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it okay, was, gotta ask. Uh, it's not yeah, something that ever, that ever piqued your interest prior a, 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 as a young kid, um, in the comics or, or was it strictly m- always the movies and just because of the way life journey brought you. So that's when you really started noticing. That's a great question. Comics crossed my path a few times over the years. Okay. Um, in high school, I was very interested in movies, but I had some friends who were into comics and, 
one of these friends, or actually several friends mentioned this. Um, they came to me and they said, listen, you should look at some of this stuff. You should, cons- you know, because there can be comics that are not quite what you, ex- what you think of them, what you think they should be. Um, they gave me some Sandman comics to read. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, very heady intellectual stuff um that that really that got me to see comics in a very different light at the time i was very focused on film i didn't see myself as a writer um i didn't really see comics as being part of my trajectory but that was when i began to appreciate them and then um in college i i had a professor in college who taught courses on literature and storytelling and all sorts of points of convergence between the two and he um he taught a course on film noir and brought into that course novels you know some of the old you know pot boilers and the crime novels from the early 20th century and movies and comic books you know he had us read batman for class um oh nice that's a great class (laughs) yeah it was a it was an awesome class and a great professor too um which also kind of helped connect some dots for me between literature and movies and comics. And they're all kind of part of this bigger storytelling picture. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, it was a, it was there as part of something connected to something that I was interested in. It was not the thing that I was interested in. Um, When I got the deal to write the graphic novel, um, I realized I need to educate myself. <laughs> this is a new medium. It it, oh my God, by, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it plays by, by similar rules, but some very, there's some fascinating differences in storytelling on the page, even visual storytelling on the page versus storytelling on the screen. Um, one of my favorite realizations was uh, I was thinking about, well, what, what makes a, a comic book interesting? What makes you want to turn the page? And then I realized whoa, you have to want to turn the page. Like in a movie, you can sit there and not do anything and the story's going to continue. So if there's a dull part, if there's a boring part, like as long as it's short enough and the next part's interesting, you can pull your audience right back in. Mm-hmm. But in a comic book, you really like, if your reader doesn't want to turn the page, you're done. The page isn't going to turn for them. Mm-hmm. Um so like thing like things like that I started really thinking about and and really getting trying to kind of dig into what makes a comic book story a comic book story what makes it different what makes it unique uh and when they work what makes them work I don't have all the answers yet but um it became it became a a point of real kind of fascination for me um, and I had to do it in real time because there I was with a book deal. I had to write this book. Oh, <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I got all the the advice, you know, pick up Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud and Words for Pictures by Bendis and uh, the, the DC Comics Writing Guide by Dennis O'Neill um, and just. Just yeah, dove get, in. Yeah, dove in, gave myself my own little private college course, and uh, and that was that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, so you did that first project. You got through it. Did it okay. get easier after the fact? Um, it turns out that comics writing and movie writing are very, very similar, um, especially because there are so many different ways you can format a comic script. I chose a format that's very similar to a screenplay format so that it wasn't that big of a jump. Um, and yeah, it, once I sort of got into that rhythm, the writing itself felt pretty straightforward. Um, I wrote that book. I got the book deal just before the pandemic hit. So I wrote it um, mostly hiding in the walk-in closet of our bedroom because uh, the kids <laughs> were all home and making noise and I had to get, you know, to meet the deadline. Daddy's um, in the closet again. Don't disturb yep. him. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that the book came out and I felt pretty good about it. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a, I feel very good about it. I really love the book. Uh, but the cool thing was it opened a door. Um, off of that book, I found myself speaking on a panel at Comic-Con in San Diego. Well, was that your first Comic-Con? Yes. Isn't that crazy? 
Whoa, my first what? Time there, you went major league. <laughs> Look at this guy. He ain't even hit the minors. He went straight to majors. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. So I fell completely into that. And it was actually at Comic Con in San Diego. That's when I sat down, had a meeting with uh, Rami Dubro and Josh Werner from Source Point. Mm. Um, and that's when Shout they started pulling me in. So actually, at that meeting, it was a, a Friday morning. We were having coffee just before going into the convention, and um, I was telling Josh about you know my journey. I've known Rami for a while. Um, I was telling, filling Josh in, and Josh asked me, "So, what other stories do you have to tell?" Which was not a question that I was expecting. You know, they say <laughs> you always expect that question when you're meeting with you know executives or whatever. Um, but I was in such a like. In the movie world, I knew that that was true. I didn't know to expect it in the comics world. Um, and so I had been kicking around this idea about an archaeologist and, you know, going after mystical treasures of King Solomon. Um, so I kind of pitched it to him very casually, <laughs> sitting over coffee, um, totally unprepared. And he greenlit it on the spot. And that became Ben Mortara. On the that, spot? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I well, told him, this is the so idea. So you were like, not still out there. You're thinking about the whole story as you're taking sips, right? (laughs) I don't know what I was doing. Uh, But, you know, at the end of the day, a a story is a story. And I guess I've been doing the storytelling for long enough that, you know, (laughs) I I managed to to pass that test. Awesome. So let's start taking a little look at this amazing book that's coming out from Source Point Press. I mean, it's coming out or is it out? It's coming out March 22nd. Coming. Next month, folks, that means you have enough time to go to your LCS, pull out that Diamond or Lunar book, and make sure that they get that on order for you, right? And believe you me, you're going to want to take a look. Let's check this out, folks. First up, let's start. Let's get into it, baby. Woo! First up, look at that cover. Yeah. So who did this cover? Because that looks beautiful Uh, and eye-catching. Thank you, thank you. This cover was done by uh oh no, the name just flew out of my brain. We had different people do each cover, and so it just okay. it's um I'll try to see if I could also find one. Oh, this is so terrible. Um <laughs> no, the cool thing about this cover, this actually, we, we had the cover done long before any of the books. We were oh, okay. kind of early on, we were sort of testing out a bunch of different concepts. And so we had different cover artists do different covers based on the concepts before any of the books were even written. Uh, Malia Ewert. Ewert. Yes, yeah, so there you go. I just found it too. Man, were, were you looking through my eyes? Because I was about. No, no. <laughs> I knew it was in my brain somewhere. I just had to kind of go through the Rolodex. Um, so Malia did this cover months and months and months and months ago. Um, and we thought it was really, really fun and awesome. And it captures little bits and pieces of the entire arc of the story. Um, so. So there's hints there, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, okay. And I love the font too. Well done. Yeah. Again, very beautiful eye catching cover source point press. And we're going to get into, is it pronounced Majid? Uh, Magid. Magid. All right. Yes. We're going to get into what the publishing presses is on the bill. Let's go through these awesome looking pages and cast kind of introduce us to this world. I mean, look at this page in the panel. Ooh, I love that center panel, the way that it's sliced up. Beautiful. So yeah. what's, up? what's going on? Cat Bauman's our illustra- illustrator. Um, so this is a, a globe trotting archeological adventure, um, with a whole bunch of characters who are looking for a lost treasure, um, a mystical object that was supposedly was, uh, commissioned or created by King Solomon himself that has some magical or mystical power, according to some people. Um, and so, you know, as we open the story, we come in on, one of our characters, uh, this is not Ben Mortara. This is a, a fellow named Salman who is going after this object. He's being chased by a bunch of other people. There's some magical communication involved with an old guy in a mirror. Um, uh-huh. So it is magic. All right, because I'm here like, huh, what's, where's his phone? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank um, you. Okay, so, so, so yeah, we're already hinting at there's 
this is a world as a universe where things are are kind of magical and interesting. And uh, this on this page, this is where we meet Ben Mortara himself, the archaeologist, um, after a moderately successful expedition that yielded not quite enough uh, of what he needed to find. Um, I set this, you know, because every every great sort of movie archaeologist has to be, um, you know, has to have a home base at some university somewhere. Uh, so I figured, why not? have him be based at Brandeis, which is the university that I attended, which has um, like a, a classical research artifact um, really? lab okay. uh, that's that's fairly well known. So I figured I'll set it there, um, which was kind of fun. This is the first time I was able to actually include Brandeis in something that I had written. So uh, <laughs> I better become sponsors after this. Cause a lot of people are going to want to go to that school after that. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is Ben and you know, his boss at the university kind of talking, talking yep. about uh, himself. Cause he has a wonderful well, discovery of self here. Apparently. Yes. Part of the sort of backdrop of this story for Ben is that he's been digging into his own history a little bit and has just found out through gene- genealogical research, through genetic uh, genetic test, that one of his ancestors um, was Jewish, which makes him Jewish. Um, and he's a guy who researches, who studies antiquity, and especially in the ancient Near East. Um, Judaism is part of what he's, he researches, but this is the first mm-hmm. time he discovers that, you know, he, ha- he actually has some connection to it as well. And, you know, his exploration of that weaves into the story in subtle ways over the course of the, um, oh, yeah. the, course of the series. Because him and Salman have an interesting little uh, conversation, being that they're from two separate uh, societies, if you will. And their belief and him just discovering who he is is like, uh, I, I don't know, questioning things, as an yes. archaeologist does. <laughs> yes. But, you know, as he mentions here, like this is uh, he's digging into himself a little bit, you know, whereas most of his career, he's digging into other cultures and other histories. Now he's got something personal to dig into as well. Hey, and which is interesting when you do find out certain aspects of, of your own personal histories. It's wonderful that there's an archaeologist, like you said, that doesn't just dig into the world's history, but his own. Uh, yeah. Very interesting because uh, I, I don't know, but I'm seeing that this is going to connect somehow to the story because if this is coming up front, somehow he, his history is involved here. I can't wait to find out what it is. And here goes the bad boy thing that that, that popped up on their plate. <laughs> yeah, a f- fragment of this mystical map. Um, so Salman brings this to Ben because he needs help interpreting it um, and figuring out what what this stuff means. Um, it was actually really fascinating and challenging to create this map, these illustrations. And you see more of the map later in the issue. Um, The map, it's a map of Istanbul, um, but it's much older than that. So from from before it was called Istanbul, uh, before it was called Constantinople. Um, Mm. And the writing on the map is uh, in Paleo-Hebrew. So, you know, we, we went in and, and figured out how to translate stuff into, into this, uh, you know, 2,500-year-old wow. language. Um, yeah, wow. we, the, the details are pretty cool. Um, and we spent a lot so, of time and effort. I got to ask that, that, you know, uh, as a person of Jewish heritage, did you dig into that history yourself? Were you always interested in it and this is why you're putting all these pieces in there? Or is this something you also discovered along the creative process? Well, it's both. I I go into this, um, you know, trying to to tell fun stories. And what I find is that by tapping into Jewish folklore and history and tradition, I get to dig out really cool things and use them to tell fun stories um, that a lot of other people don't necessarily have access to. Like, you know, if, if you're not very familiar with Jewish folklore and tradition and history, you're not necessarily going to find a lot of this stuff. So yeah. it gives me a chance to tell some new stories, uh, to reinvent some things. And uh, it's just, I find it's a kind of a wonderful goldmine of narrative inspiration. Yeah, definitely. Because I think I just found, you know, cause I'm always looking for a lot of cool characters and 
you know, like Ragman, I, I, I love. Now I got another one. I got another one here to love because the personality and all. Like, where did you build his person, Ben's personality from? Who is that based off of? If it's anyone in reality or is something maybe that you pulled from, from from films history? That's a that's a great question. I think I think of Ben as being. I mean, I growing up in Massachusetts, you're surrounded by academics all the time. And, you know, some of them are kind of stuffy, and but some of them are kind of interesting and do interesting things and go to interesting places. And I must have met people like Ben over the years. Um, <laughs> you know, he's probably some compositive, a dozen Harvard professors I've encountered at some point or another. Um, you know, blended with a little bit of Indiana Jones, blended with a little, little bit of, you know, the movie heroes that, that we all love. Um, blended with a little bit of me. Uh you know, not necessarily that I'm a dashing globe-trotting adventurer, but you know, there's there's that part of me that. Well, you're a domestic adventurer going from the east to the west coast, well, so, and then for, back and then back again, them. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I like the idea of engaging with sort of the sorts of questions that academia asks, but engaging with those questions in the real world. You know, yes. taking those questions out into the field. And here is when we discover some things about Ben that makes him look like a very like he should be from New York based on how he got <laughs> in there. <laughs> like, yeah, Yo, ben, he's a, he's a little bit of a rule bender. I don't know that he's a rule breaker, but he certainly bends the rules um, on occasion. He's yeah, a because little you set impulsive. this up so well. You set Thanks. this up so well because here I'm thinking, okay, accidentally, and when we get to the scene. That even Simon, like, this is what you accidentally walked into. Like, come <laughs> on, yo, stop BSing me. I loved it. I, I, that that brought a chuckle to me. So I was like, wow. I'm thinking now, like, how the hell did he get? Will we ever get that backstory? How he got in there? <laughs> yeah, that could I'm be fun. That. I mean, there, a lot it's of these characters, <laughs> a lot of these characters, I kind of think would make really fun spin-off series. You know, because they all have such rich backgrounds and rich journeys that brought them to this story oh, i'm dying um, to know about salmon because he a slick mofo again yeah. he, he's, he's somebody that he must have been from brooklyn or bronx to me <laughs> slick hands baby i yeah. loved it i'm telling you this book had me hooked from page one to the last page 26 i'm just hooked 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 and when I got to that last page, I was so angry, folks, because he left me on the cliffhanger. Now I gotta wait like the regular people now. Well, issue, issue two is available for pre-orders through Diamond. So hey, get it! Oh, don't you worry. This is going on my full list. There you this go. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I really dug it. And they start getting to your team. Wepa. No. Whoa! I mean, I that, that looks like Das Boot from Beer Fest. Oh, That's hysterical. Dice. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So, Cat Bauman, Cat Bauman, our illustrator, who's been such such a joyful collaborator to work with, amazing, um, has been working so hard to get this series done. Um, and she was going to get uh, you know new headshots made for our press push, <laughs> um, but they they weren't quite done in time. So uh, Josh just pulled her her profile picture from her <laughs> this. But this is great though, because this is the type of story you could you gotta sit down in a nice chair, throw on your lamp, grab your favorite brew, and believe you me that you're gonna be in for a hell of a fun ride. So you know what? She is setting the mood with this picture. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And and, and uh, how, how did you guys connect? Was it so, through the source point that you ever meet in person? What what's the bromance story? So when I when I started putting together the we before issue one, we put together the lash can, a little twelve pager. Um and I was going through uh the artists that Source Point had worked with before. Um and trying to think, well, who which of these images, which of these illustrations kind of captures some of what I'm imagining for this story? And what I liked about Kat's illustrations um, was that there was a a bit of a cinematic quality to them. It felt like we were looking at a scene, you know, through a lens. The the proportions felt right. The the geometry kind of felt very very tangible. Um, and the choices that she makes and the the 
panels that she draws um, match up to the kinds of choices that a director of photography might make. You know, a low angle evokes a certain mood, a high angle evokes a certain mood, close up evokes a certain mood. Um, and so I felt like she could be the kind of collaborator who would speak a similar language to a language that I already knew. I yeah. could speak to her in movie and she'd know how to translate it to comic book. Um, okay. So I reached out to her and thank God she was available. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, salute. Yeah. Uh, uh, amazing artist. Uh, uh, who this? Who this? That's Dave Lentz. Uh, <laughs> That's how he looks. He's very animated, isn't he? <laughs> uh, you know, I asked him for uh, a photo or a headshot. This is what he sent. Um, you know, Dave is a, a comic book guy through and through. Um, he's been teaching me an awful lot about lettering, um, which has been which has been really really fascinating. He's, he's really quite an expert on it. Although I've been throwing some real challenges at him. I'm, he's lettering issue three right now, and there are a couple moments in issue three where some characters are speaking Hebrew, and oh. um, so I I sent him <laughs> stuff in Hebrew. Now Hebrew is written uh, right to left. English is left to yeah. right, and so when you copy Hebrew off of like a PDF or something and then paste it in, sometimes the operating it system worked. flips everything around. So like the first draft of the pages he sent me, like all the Hebrew words were backwards. Um, so we had to kind of <laughs> go through and, and I had to sort of explain what was going on. And, you know, he's uh but he's a great team player, um, has a great sense of humor and oh, just man. muscled through it. And the page looks great now. So that must've been a funny experience. Cause I would have been, Hey homie, you see this that I just sent you? Copy, paste as is. Make sure you double check because I know you don't know what this says. <laughs> that is so um, funny. Yeah, but he was telling me that, like, the challenge that I thought was, you know, this left to right thing and right to left. And, but uh -huh. he said, actually, there was another layer to the challenge, which is what font do you use for Hebrew? Like, he knows all the different font options he has for, for lettering in English, but you know, lettering in, in Hebrew, you need a font and how is he going to find a font? So he found one that looks great, um, but it was, you know, sort of an additional challenge I wasn't even anticipating. Um, Makes sense. It's so, true yeah. because again, because the Hebrew language, right, it kind of looks like characters, not letters, right? It's Well, they are letters. It's just a different alphabet. Yeah, this looks so. way different. I know when I see it, I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, no, you shoot me now because I'm not going to be able to read yeah. this. <laughs> Sorry, give me Spani. I got that. <laughs> That's awesome, though. And this is a great. So, how did you even hook up with him, though? Was it was that a through source point, or you knew him? So he, so Dave is kind of the go-to letterer, or one of the go-to letterers at SourcePoint. He does an awful lot of their um, books. So when it came to lettering he was like the obvious choice you know we're gonna go with dave so awesome. and i'm glad i'm glad he was available because he's doing a fabulous job i know who this guy oh, is i know who that is too <laughs> dig, dig, dig in the beret there you go thank you thank you my daughter oh. took that photo oh well wait a minute she did she, oh, she was, i think when she was five five i handed it's... her my camera and she pointed it and it turned out great <laughs> that is a future filmmaker or photographer in the making right there, all right? So, you know, we're talking about the book, and, you know, we see the Source Point logo on that beautiful cover, but I also notice, you know, because in the image, you see that we have the, uh, what was it, Magid? Magid Comics? Comics, yeah. So what is this? Ex explain, and what does the word mean, too? I'm always interested Sure, sure, in sure. Uh, so Magid Comics is a new imprint at Source Point uh, dedicated to Jewish content, Jewish comics content. Um, so we want to tell Jewish stories like Ben Mortar that go, you know, into diamond and lunar and into the mainstream market. Um, we're also creating Jewish content that has like high quality, um, just like, a, you know, regular comic book stuff, but specifically for a, a Jewish market, which is generally underserved when it comes to great comics. Um, a you ain't Magid. kidding. There's a lot of communities underserved in comics, so I'm glad oh, yeah. that you're you're stepping up for your community and, is, and giving them signs. I mean, that even I could enjoy because again, I was I'm reading and I'm learning. I'm like, yo, this is I, I love it. I mean, coming from New York, I, I was surrounded with every type of community, so sure. for me, this is just natural, and I and I love learning. So this is fantastic. And if this works, if this imprint 
works, the the plan at SourcePoint is to repeat this for other underserved communities, under other underserved markets also. Um, so it's a, it's a bit of a, an experiment where we just launched. Um, and uh, Magid, you asked about the meaning of the word. A Magid is a storyteller. Oh, okay. um, through various parts of Jewish history, um, in a community, you would have the rabbi who is really tied to a congregation. He's the spiritual leader, the person you ask questions to, the person who gives spiritual guidance. Um, but you also, in many communities, had a magid, um, a storyteller, the person who would uh, go around and provide the the spiritual entertainment. Um, and so we felt that uh, that was a an appropriate name for this Jewish imprint, you know, bringing bringing Jewish stories out to the world. Uh, are we going to have a a, uh, a character that represents who the storyteller is for Magi? But I, I kind of see an iconic storyteller saying, hey, I'm the storyteller. <laughs> that is a great question. I had not thought to do something like that, but I'm definitely going to suggest that to the team because... Yeah, I, a mascot. Why, that, yeah. Who is the storyteller? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Because, again, I'm digging it. Again, I love the colors, the design of the font and all wonderfully done. Yeah, and Josh Werner put that logo together for us. Oh, we're big... Yeah, I, I, I've, I've known Josh, uh, seen him many, many times. Uh, again, I, I lived here about five years ago. I was hitting all the cons and let me tell you, Source Point Press definitely makes their presence known and felt wherever they are, as those jobs. He's at the table, he, yo, 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 love the energy. They're definitely uh, with a great organization. And folks, you look how easy it is. You got to, you can follow my man right here, Arnon, on Twitter, sure. IG and Facebook, Arnon, sure. And of course, you got to check out the website, arnonsure.com. And of course, magidcomics.com. And you got to also show love to, to the people that are, are bringing this to us right there, source point. Press. So visit their website, sourceportpress.com, for this amazing title and, of course, many, many more. So how long is the story for Ben here? How many issues are we looking at? Right now, Ben Mortar is a four-issue series. Okay. Um, and if it does really well, I'll write more. I'll happily write a lot more. I love this world. I love these characters. Uh, but for now, four issues is what we got. Um Issues one and two are available for pre-orders. Issue three is being illustrated right now. I'm in the process of writing issue four. Um, so oh, turning them out. You see, folks, you're going to get it on time, folks. You hear that? Not like some other publishers that be pushing stuff out late. He ahead on the game. That's oh, what yeah. I love yeah. here. That's amazing. We, so, we don't do want things any, I, Do you have any other uh, projects outside of Ben that you're working on? Um, I am not currently writing other books, um, although for Magid Comics, we are we do have a few other series that are being worked on. Uh, they're yes. going to be coming out in the summer. Um, we have Partisan 42, which is a supernatural World War II monster story. Um, we have Le- Levi Marcus, which is a Jewish Western set in 1880s San Francisco. Um, a few other things kind of cooking behind the scenes as well. But, Excellent. Uh, so yeah. How do you how do you select then you know the projects for Magid? You know how how does that process work? And what if what if there's a Jewish creator out there that has the story of the year ready for you? How can they even you know submit so, so they can contribute? That's a great question. We're actually still developing a process. We're still trying to figure out exactly how the submission process is going to work. What are the parameters? Um, At this point for comics creators who have a bit of a track record, um, you can always contact us through the Mugged Comics website. And um, I mean, just earlier today, we had a great meeting with um, a very well-established comics writer who also has Jewish stories to tell. Um, Nice. But again, like right now, we're still so new. We don't quite know what the structures are going to be, what, you know, what yeah. sorts of deals can we do, can't we do. Um, so we might not have all the answers yet, but we're certainly open to meeting people, building out the Rolodex so that when there is more, you know, when we need to hire a writer onto a project or when we have, you know, a gap in the schedule and we need to fill it with new content, 
you know, be good to already know folks so that uh, we don't have to start the introductions from scratch. And so what if they wanted to introduce themselves in person? Are you going to be at any conventions in, in the coming weeks, months? Yes, I will be at uh, Cleveland Fan Expo, uh, March okay, 20, cool. the Sunday of that convention, March 26th, I think. Um, ben Mortara number one comes out March 22nd, which happens to be my 40th birthday, which is very exciting. Well, um, it's going to be a hit for your birthday. You're going to have the best present ever, let me tell you. <laughs> I hope so. That would be nice. Um, and then Sunday, the 26th, I'm flying out to Cleveland just for the day. Um, and I'll be signing books and at the source point booth, um, awesome. at Cleveland fan expo. I expect I'll be at other conventions later in the year as well. I haven't mapped it out yet. Start mapping kiddo. Cause they getting, they starting to get rolling and I would love to meet you in person, especially in, in the Massachusetts show or oh, Rhode Island. Sure. No, come on. That way you could hear Almeida give you a big whip on in person, all right? Sounds <laughs> great. Sounds great. I'm digging this, man. The, the character, the book, the, the publishing press idea. I am digging it, man. You're bringing some good stuff to the world, Arnon. I, I appreciate you. it. So thank as a fan to a creator, I just want to say thank you for being brave and bold enough to share your stories and your vision with the world. And I appreciate the hell out of it. And I know people are going to love this book. It, it was so fun. Again, if you're an indie fan, those 80 style adventure stories and whatnot, I'm telling you, you're going to appreciate the hell out of this book. It is fire. All right, drop it on his birthday on the 22nd. You still have time for your LCS. You know what I mean? Whether they work with Diamond or Lunar, guess what? They both have it. Tell them, I want this book in my pull list. That's it. Uh, and are we only getting one cover or is there going to be several covers coming out for issue one? I have been told that at Cleveland there's going to be an, another cover. Um, I don't know Ooh. the details yet, but if, you, if you're coming to Cleveland, you might have uh, access to some, something kind of, uh, kind of special there. Um, and beyond that, I don't know. I don't Got know. That. There we go. All right, Arnon, last question here. So cool. you know, seeing your journey and, and, and your ups and downs, how you transition and make things work, what type of advice would you give to an up-and-coming creator based on your experience? Um, so the best advice I think I can give broadly to creators of all types is twofold. First of all, keep creating, make stuff and don't sit on it and let it be the only thing you've ever made. Like if you're writing a screenplay, write a screenplay, be proud that you wrote a screenplay, but then right away, start writing the next one. Um, you know, people come up to me every now and again and say, hey, I wrote two screenplays. Give me some advice. And I'm like, all right, that's great. Write more. Uh, <laughs> because you never know. It might be great. The first thing, first thing you write it might not. Mm -hmm. It might be great, but nobody is looking for that particular thing right then. Um, you know, a lot of it is timing. A lot of it is that weird kismet. So you want to just create a whole lot of stuff and have it ready, have it in the back pocket. Um, and the second piece of advice is wherever you can, however you can get feedback on your, on the stuff that you create from people who don't know you. And that last bit is really, really important. Cause if you write that screenplay, or you write that comic book, or you write that book, or you write that song, record that song and you share it with your mother or with your kid sister or with your best friend, whatever it is. They might have some notes for you, but they know you. And so if there's something about it that they feel is really problematic, they might try to, you know, cover it over. They might try to be nice. Um, and that's dangerous. You don't want that feedback. You want feedback that's actually constructive. If you're writing something and it's not working, you need to know. And you need to know fast because if you're writing a lot, if you're creating more content, you want the next content to be better. So uh, where you can, however you can, sometimes you might have to pay for it. You might have to say, hey, listen, you know, I'll pay you a certain amount of money to in, in the film world. You can get um, what's called coverage on a screenplay where you pay um, professional script readers a few hundred bucks and they will read your script and they will give you notes on it. And they don't know you and you don't know them. And sometimes it's even anonymous. So, you know, the notes you're getting are unvarnished. Um, and that can be very, very helpful. I don't know if there's a parallel in the comics world or, or the book world. Um, but 
Yeah, where you can get feedback from people you don't know and people who yep. don't know a you. Lot of, a lot of people try to go to the uh, conventions and, and show off their portfolios and a lot uh -huh. of them get, you know, unfortunately shut down and some of them lucky ones are like, hey, uh, I want to see you again, <laughs> you know. But when you get shut down, that's a win because yeah. that's data, especially if you get shut down with a little bit more information. They say, well, I don't like the way you did this. Um, celebrate that. Like it can be easy to sort of fall into a, a hole and, and get kind of self-defeating and, and let that feed and fuel yourself that, oh, they didn't like it. Um, but that's the job. That's your job right now is to find out what people don't like so that you can adjust it. Um, and every time you find out what somebody doesn't like, you're taking another step forward and it's a win and you can be proud of yourself for it. So, yeah. Great advice, Arnon. Great advice. I dig it for real. And folks, I've been showing this off nonstop. So one last time, follow the big homie right here on Twitter. That's sure. That's same. Everything's also below. So just go ahead, click away. Uh, IG and, F and, and Facebook at Arnon Shore as well. Of course, please visit the website and support at ArninShore.com and of course, MyGeekComics.com. Storyteller. The mascot's coming. I can't wait. <laughs> and Love if you it. want this book as well, go visit Source Point Press. You know, you probably should be getting it there. Check it out. You know, get them pre-orders in from Lunar Diamond from your favorite local comic shop. Please support your local comic shop. But that's what gives a home to amazing creators and books like what my big homie Arnon is doing right here. All right. So Arnon, once again, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. I love the book. I cannot wait to see where it goes. All right, definitely being added to my pro list because I'm uber, uber curious where it's going. You left me on a cliffhanger. When y'all do that to me, not many people use the cliffhanger properly. You use it in a way that you, holy shit, that's, not, that's it. Ah! <laughs> so good job. You definitely well, that was another thing. You know, when you do a cliffhanger, you need to have enough of an ending for the cliffhanger to feel good. Because yeah. if, if you don't have enough of an ending just before the cliffhanger, it just feels like the story is incomplete. Um, so I had to make sure like they get something, they achieve something. There's a third act to this issue. Um, and then there's a cliffhanger cause the issue is part of a bigger story. So it's figuring out how to tell us a, a one issue story. That's also part of a four issue story It's fascinating to try to map it all out, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I'm going to call him Dr. Shore next cause he's like, yeah. yo, I'm mapping, I'm mapping, you know, that's it. <laughs> I, I love it. Brother, thank you again for your time. Mi gente, thank you for tuning in and watching and listening. Much love. I, we appreciate the support for Comic Crew and the Cover Capes and amazing independent creators like Arnon. Make sure to show the love and support. Let them know how much you love the books. Let Source Point Press know as well so we could get all the books and, and, and new opportunities for other underserved communities as well because we all deserve a moment to shine. So thank you, Arnon, once yeah, again yeah. For, for, for creating and doing something like that you know, for your community, and hopefully that will inspire others to do the same. Thank you. To... Thank you, Al, for having me on your show. Now nah, you rock, brother. You know what it is? Massachusetts, baby, New York, that's it. We rocking it. Wepa, mi gente. Hasta la próxima. Later. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 